great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Into this Friday edition of the Great Scott Show on 1033 The Goat simulcast on 1420. It's a gimme all you got Friday. Gimme all you got! Gimme all you got! Thank you, Al. We've got Gus Kattengill, Saints and Pelicans correspondent, waiting in the wings for the Pronola segment. Alex George, she's a NIL social media influencer and manager with AG Media. Great guest. We've had her on before. She's also a big Braves fan, so I'm sure she'll have plenty of uh, trash to talk to me. But we'll talk, um, you know, NIL stuff. We'll talk betting, college football, MLB playoffs as well. Have open phone lines uh, after that in the 8 o'clock hour. Going to give away some Twin Peaks gift cards sometime in the 8 o'clock hour. So keep it locked in on a Give Me All You Got Friday. Keep it locked in, you know. I don't want to be, like, super annoying to the point that you guys will want to, like, punch me or something. Some of you just hate the whole hello, everybody. You're like, yeah, I don't like it. Okay. I just I just hope you never, like, punch me. Like, Draymond Green apparently punched Jordan Poole after Poole would not shut up about buying a pool. Apparently, he told the joke so many times reportedly, that he just started driving everyone nuts. Draymond Green finally had enough and swung and punched him. I mean, how annoying is it? I'm going to buy a pool with my new extension, and I'm going to name it Jordan Pool. Shut up. You're not invited to the pool. At some point, like, how annoying do you have to be where you tell a joke that many times? Jordan Pool, for the record, wasn't hurt by Draymond Green's punch. Finished his workout. But, you know, reports are that they noticed a little bit of a change in his behavior with a contract extension looming. (laughs) Green apologized. He was disciplined. It'll be something that is funny now. There'll be plenty of memes. And, uh, yeah, everyone will forget about it after a while. It's kind of how it goes. NBA news cycle, right? It's not like it sticks around. I say that. Of course, any kind of friction with that team this year, it'll be back in full force. You know, I would expect the Manning cast maybe to have a reference or make a joke about it the next Monday night game they do. The Manning cast works because it's Peyton and Eli Manning. That's why it works. Because they're able to rib on each other, make jokes, keep it light, talk to guests, and break down football all at the same time. Now, future Hall of Famer Drew Brees, New Orleans Saints great. He is not in broadcasting this year. You saw him a lot last year on NBC doing Notre Dame games, doing a few NFL games, and then, of course, being in the studio. And after one year, NBC was like, yeah, we don't want you. 
Drew Brees, according to the Associated Press, is uh, wanting to maybe get back in the game. Wanting to maybe get back in the game. He told the AP Pro Football Podcast that he walked away with a pretty good skill set if he wanted to go back and do it. Talking about broadcasting. Since he put it on hold this year to spend weekends with his family. Something Tom Brady struggles to do. Uh, Breeze said, I think the world by which the fans consume the game is also changing. I think you see a lot of these alternative broadcasts that are taking place. It's really kind of interesting way to watch the game and hear the game and learn about the game. Hopefully the broadcast isn't Yahoo Financial, Drew. If it is, maybe don't do that. But he said he, he is uh, intrigued by maybe doing something similar to the Manning cast. Breeze said, quote, from my perspective, I just watch a game totally different than probably most people. It's hard to just sit back and watch it as a fan. You're so analytical with everything. You put yourself in the moment at all times. And I think that's a really interesting perspective for fans to hear. I look forward to finding ways that can be communicated in a much more in-depth way that's kind of outside the norm or what it's like the typical formula for broadcasting a game, end quote. Drew, no offense, buddy, you, you, you can't do a Manning cast. A Breeze cast? I don't know that that would be a Breeze. And I love you, Drew, but you don't have the... See, the great thing about Peyton and Eli is, yes, they do on the Manning cast talk football and talk about plays and things that are unfolded, but they don't use, like real serious in-depth football language. Real serious in-depth football lingo where the casual fan is going to sit back and be like, what the hell are they talking about? No, they speak it in a way that the fans understand it and then make jokes about each other and then bring on big guests. Now, Breeze, you know, he would like to do something similar. I, I think doing something different isn't a bad thing because the regular way, you know, it didn't work out great for Breeze. He was out after one season as an analyst. Not that he was nearly as bad as people made him out to be. He was just kind of, meh. So, yes, if he wants to do some broadcasting, do something different. But don't try to do the Manicast. Don't try to do the Manicast. Drew did admit in the interview, he said, I got exposed to a lot in a short amount of time, and I learned a ton. I think the group at NBC's first class, yada, 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 valued my time, just want to spend more time with my family. I'm not sure if that's how it all went down, although I don't doubt that you want to spend time with your family. Um, But yeah, he's 43. Looking to do something. Probably feeling bored. And shout out to what he and Lowe's did. Uh, He partnered with Lowe's and uh, the lower9.org and they uh, built some new sustainable work, work, uh, work and live headquarters. So they have year-round, well-equipped, modern housing for visiting volunteers in the Lower Ninth Ward. Uh, have them set up as they go and help. And Drew's still doing the philanthropy in New Orleans. Shout out to him. Good stuff from him. Joe Burrow with the Joe Burrow Foundation, which he started this week, is feeding the hungry and helping families in Ohio and Louisiana that are dealing with hunger issues and children that are dealing with mental health issues. Shout, shout out to, to, to Burrow for that. But Burrow is kind of in the news this week for what he said on the Colin Coward podcast about, you know, the the concussions that he's been through and playing through. And Joe was very honest and upfront about it. 
He's an adult. He said, look, we get paid, you know, a king's ransom to play a game, and we know the risks, and you get back out there, and yeah, you know, you do sign up for it. He says, well, we sign up for it. It's physical toll when you play football. But you should also do everything you can to try to lessen the blow, too. And I know the league's made a lot of changes, but a reminder, it, it's impossible to prevent every concussion. Do what you can. Do everything you can to minimize the long-term effects of concussions. But Joe Burrow's not speaking out. He's just being very blunt about it. Players are going to lie about it when they can. A lot of players do. A lot of players will. That's just reality. Be safe out there, though. Scary stuff. Tua not playing this week as the Dolphins take on the Jets. Teddy Bridgewater. Get the start, says, uh, can't be two, it just got to be me. I learned that in New Orleans. I didn't try to be Drew Brees. I just played like myself. And they went 5-0 and oh when Teddy was in there. We'll see what he can do with Miami. We're going to see what the Pelicans are going to do. Right amount of hype, not enough hype, too much hype. What's the expectation? We'll talk a little Pels. We'll talk a lot of Saints. We'll talk about what you should do with a home run ball with our next guest who joins me every Friday, Gus Cattengill, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Uh, pre-game, halftime, and post-game host on the New Orleans Pelicans Radio Network, among other things. He's going to join me on a Gimme All You Got Friday. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! We got Alex George coming up later in the show as well. Social uh, NIL, social media influencer and manager. Uh, sports fan, she's a great guest. We got open phone lines after that. We're going to give away some Twin Peaks gift cards a little later. We'll talk a little bit about last night's game in the NFL as well. It's all coming your way. LSU, Tennessee chatter as well. Don't go anywhere. It's a great Scott show. And give me all you got Friday, 103.3 The Goat, the greatest sports talk of all time. Simulcast on 1420. Download the free 1033 The Goat app now. You go mail and the very latest sports news now. Did he say what I think he said? 1033 The Goat. Into the great Scott show on a Gimme All You Got Friday. Saints and Pelicans correspondent Gus Cattengill joins me now for the Pro Nola segment as he does each and every Friday. Good morning, Gus. I know these are busy times, man. I appreciate you making the time. How are you on this Friday? Doing well, man. How are you? I'm good, man. We're going to talk Saints, obviously, but let's start with the Pelicans because I, I haven't really talked much Pels with you on this show uh, in a while. But, uh, you know, they had their preseason opener. They're in training camp. You are the host of the pregame, halftime, and postgame show on the Pelicans Radio Network. You're at practices. You've got the insight. You're tied into this franchise. What 
is your opinion right now on the hype surrounding this team? Is it the right amount of hype, not enough hype, or too much hype? I might even throw in one that you didn't just say, which was uh, I understand the hype. And I, I, I think because you could answer all of them to an extent, right? I mean, there is too much hype for a team that only won just over 30 games haven't accomplished really enough to warrant, I guess, hype per se, right? I mean, you don't, you don't know. It's a lot of unknowns. and boy, So you could somewhat say maybe too much. Um, not enough hype could be an answer if you judge it on the fact that I think this team has tremendous potential to, I think, legitimately be a team that's going to be tough to knock out um, in seven games. And I think you go to last year where I've said it on your show and when you've come online, Scott, where I think watching that series against Phoenix, I don't know if the Pels gave the rest of the NBA a blueprint because the Suns struggled after that series as well. But you look at that series, and I think if, if Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum don't tire out a little bit, I think late in those games – and, and there was just some other scoring. I think the same, I think the Pelicans win that. You know, I mean, like I I remember the next day on May first, opening up the show, saying, "Man, I can't shake the feeling I have that if Zion Williamson plays in that series, I think they beat him." And, and the Suns had the best season Phoenix has ever had, and. In terms of win totals, regular season, sure, teams. yeah, right, yeah. I mean, it's so that was crazy to say that, but I felt it, and and I could explain it, and I could, you know, at least hypothesize it. So when you do get a physically healthier Zion and an athletically healthier Zion, and you see all the pieces together, I, I get it, man, because I. Yeah, I, I've been saying last couple of days, and even when we opened the show on Tuesday in our pregame, Scott, that this is different than the hope and the excitement and hype you've had in the past. This isn't, we hope that the draft pick that the Pills have is going to want to be here, is going to be the face of the franchise, is going to be the next Chris Paul, the next Anthony Davis, the next whatever. We're not hoping that the free agent acquisition, as you've often referred to many times, that you likely had to overpay to convince to come to New Orleans because no one wants to come to New Orleans, will pan out. Your Bledsoe, your you know, other Ugh, free man. agents that didn't pan out like you wanted, even to an extent Devontae Graham last year. Hoping that the players on this team actually want to be here. You're not hoping the fans pay attention. You're not this, – this, this is different. This is – the Pels are good. You know, you're not hoping the coach works out. You, you know who the coach is. You know who the team is. You legitimately this season, Scott, know an identity. You know who the Pelicans are. The Pelicans are going to play defense first and then go out. I mean, like, you, you at least have some semblance of a blueprint of what that team is going to be. You know the roster. It's basically back. So it's going to help you in that it's going to take you less time to acclimate 
less time to get people to learn how to play together. I think it's, that's what you saw with the Bulls. I think it's a reason for me that you can consider talking about hype, that I can see them being a top six, top four team, because I think once the opposing team's starting fives get off the court or they suffer injuries or the Pelicans suffer injuries, they're better suited to handle it. Last year, Brandon Ingram gets hurt. It's an L. It's a walking L. Like, literally, the statistics told you if Brandon Ingram doesn't play, it's over. And that was before the C.J. McCollum trade. So I don't see that this year. We did in the preseason game, Ray Murphy, who was arguably, possibly, I think, going to be like this year's Herb Jones. He can have that kind of influence. They both didn't play, and they scored 40 points in the first quarter. So, again, I, I, I understand all of those levels of hype, but I would say the one thing that is a, a constant is there's a reason legitimately for the hope, I think, of this basketball team. 103.3 The Goat simulcast on 1420, the greatest sports talk of all time. It's the great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. That is Gus Kattengel. Um, You know, it's interesting hearing you talk, not even talking much about Zion, and that's telling, right? Bingo. I mean, you saw what you saw last year. You add Zion to the mix. You have continuity, and you got a lot of guys, all your key players, under contract for multiple years. Doesn't feel like there's a ticking clock. Doesn't feel, let's win or else I'm out of here type of attitude. It's all very different heading into the season. Having said that, New Orleans still may not be the market that's going to attract super free agents in basketball. It just it hasn't been. But that's another win in terms of this, this, this subject matter we're talking about. You've got all your key players under contract for, for a while. Um, and, and I do think continuity plays. And, and yes, maybe I, because I'm, there's still a fan of me, I'll always put a futures championship on any team I root for, no matter how long the odds are. But, I, you know, do I think the Pelicans are going to actually win a championship this year? No. Do I think they're going to make a big jump from a year ago and be one of the fun teams to watch and start building to become a legitimate contender the next few years? Absolutely. And I think 44 and a half on some of these sites, I'm taking the over. Well, they, they were 10 games under 500 last year in the regular season. Yeah, I know. I watched it every game, and I know why they started 1-12, and and I know why they started 3-16, and 16, and I saw what I saw with my own eyes and the culture change, and no team that was in the playoffs last year added a player to their team this year as talented and as good as the Pelicans did. They added Zion Williamson. There's not a team that was in the postseason last year, Gus. If you want to say, oh, Ben's... No, no, not Ben Simmons. Sorry. No, absolutely not. Right. The, the Pelicans are adding Zion Williamson to a playoff roster. Of every free agent move, of all the offseason moves, there isn't a bigger move among playoff teams from a year ago. Now, I know it's, it's, it's you know, semantics. Well, he was already on the team, and he was this. He didn't play a single second last year. So they are adding somebody that talented. He's got a new personal chef. He's got a new personal trainer. He has a new, what feels like, Lisa. I mean, it, it, I do Typically with this team, I just kind of prepare myself for pain. Am I naive to not do that? Am I being a sucker right now, Gus, to not just prepare myself to get hurt? Or are we are we in new territory where I can just be genuinely excited about the start of this out? You know, a little little kind of nervous pit in the back of my stomach that's always kind of just lingering in there. Can I just do away with that this year, or should I still be cautious? Uh, I mean, look, I, I understand why you would feel that way, right? It's been the team's history. It's been the franchise's history. I mean, 
even the franchise players or what have you, I mean, those are the guys that still, you know, were um, injured and stuff. So, I no, I look, until you start having seasons where you don't worry about it, you always are going to. But I think that's why I brought up what I did in terms of being able to handle, I think, situations like that, whether it's um, handling a um, – you know, a loss because of injury or something of that nature, I think this team can handle it a lot better than it has in the past because they're deeper. And outside of your starters, you have guys that have been, you know, guys that have started. So you you have a lot of that. And and I think that's the the thing that, that stands out, man, is that um, – you have not only the depth to, I think, handle it, but I think you also have stability that you haven't had in a while. You're not starting the season trying to find that identity. The coaching staff get to know the players, get to do all those different things. There's there's a lot of um, knowns already, right? I mean, so that sort of helps when you look at last year why it started that way. Well, I mean, you were hoping, prepping, thinking, feeling, being told the team was too. It wasn't like it was just the media. They internally knew that Zion would be ready for the season, that he would come back in two weeks, that it would come back in November. And by December, he's coming. So uh, until that moment that we've talked about on your show in the past, where I almost think you, you can go to it and you can point to it last year, where the team just said, all right, you know what? He's not coming back. Or like, we got to, we got to, shift the focus and, and stop playing the waiting for the offense to get better when he gets here. And it was the day that they, you know, said he was going to go to to Oregon and the team switched. They transitioned, right? Willie Green had the conversation with Brandon Ingram. This is your team. I remember that, that day. And then things changed. So you don't have that this year. Because I think even if he didn't start the season, you, you have A.J. McCollum, who's a breeze-like figure in that locker room. You have Brandon Ingram, who I think took a step in the leadership role and in his game last year. You have guys like Alvarado, Herb Jones, Trey. Oh, like These guys have taken ownership of that team. You no longer look at them's ownership. Tell, you know, they, they need to learn how to win. I think there's a hunger, and I think it goes back to legitimately – they have worked all offseason. They have been practicing together. They have been together. Um, it's why I think you saw what you saw on on Tuesday, man, where they saw – I mean, Devontae Graham said it, it was good for the rookie, and he was happy that the Bulls came back and put the guys in a position where they had to close that game out, like to learn that because you can't replicate that at practice. And you saw – the energy on the bench, like they were rooting for him. It's a, it's a different atmosphere, Scott. It wasn't, oh, here we go, you know, where a year and a half ago, the Pelicans were a team that couldn't hold on to double-digit leads or, you know, oh, man, here we, this is what's plagued the Pelicans in the past. No one can, can close them out. You see, this is what happens when the starters don't play. That wasn't the case at all. It was no panic. You saw guys make plays. You saw guys, more importantly, Scott, make plays and close out that game defensively. You saw Billy Hernan Gomez with the block. Jason Daniels take a charge. You saw steals. You saw big-time threes to do that. I mean, and that wasn't your starting five. So 
I think that's why it's different. I'm not saying pack it away like you would, you know, summer clothes in the winter and vice versa. I understand it, but I just think this team is built differently to where hopefully you won't have to do this year. That makes sense. No doubt. Gus Cagniel, our guest. We're going to take a quick time out on this Friday. We'll come back, talk some Saints. Oh, man. Are they on the brink? I said last week it was a can't lose. They lost. Now it's a must win. We'll talk about that and more. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show on a Give Me All You Got Friday, 103.3 The Goat Simulcast on 1420, the greatest sports talk of all time. It's a good thing goats have four stomachs. Otherwise, there's no way we could swallow some of these takes. Hey, goat, what's going on out there? 1033 The Goat, the greatest sports talk of all time. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, 103.3 The Goat, simulcast 1420, the greatest sports talk of all time. Gus Cattengill on with us on a Friday, Pronola segment. Gus, we're going to talk Saints, but real quick, man, wild card series this weekend in Major League Baseball. I know your Cubs aren't in it, but uh, you going to watch a little baseball this weekend, man? You into it at all, or you kind of take a pass with all the other stuff going on while your Cubbies sit this postseason out? You know what? My Cubbies close the season in excellent fashion. 15 runs and they win, handing the Reds their 100th loss. And um, that, you know, we were talking about hope a little bit ago, Scott. There's my hope right there. There's no hope next year. Zero hope. <laughs> Until baseball changes what they're doing and the Cubs change what they're doing, I'll be in the same spot next year looking at your trumpet blaring, dancing, playing Mets. In the postseason, um, you know, dude, it's it's hard to, to, to think that the you know it won't be the Dodgers and somebody uh, in there at all. I do think it's somewhat exciting to have the New York teams in. You know, we talked about it last week. I think Scott about Aaron Judge and market size and how does it matter on your field, and it does have a bigger game atmosphere, right? Uh, in seeing that, so. You know, the Yankees got a buy, but the Mets, you know, will will be playing in the wild card series. I do like that it's a best of three, right? I mean, back in the day the Cubs have been in it where it's you know oh, that one game that one game thing was stupid. Yeah, that was dumb. Too, that was dumb. That was dumb. Well, I mean look, it's exciting from this standpoint. It it adds it adds suspense. You, you yeah. can't. You have to win. I mean, there's suspense so tonight. I, I, I mean, you like could. You'll probably get some well, must win Sunday, but I don't know. There's just it's too long God. of a se- It's God. too long of a season. God. The NFL has win or go home in the yeah, playoffs. and it's seventeen game season, not a hundred. There we go. So, well, it matters. Yeah. I mean, um, but no, look, I do, that's the point. Though. I, I do like the best of three. Um, you know, adding the extra teams and all of that. So I, I think it's great because if not, then you remember when we, you know, 
were growing up and watching the game, it was, it was four teams, two and two, right? I mean, essentially, I mean, you won the NL East, NL West, AOS, AL East, and that was it. And those, those were your playoffs, man. It's like now it's nice to kind of see that many teams, you know, in it in those fan bases. And um, I, I thought San Diego underachieved. They're in there as well. It's sort of like I feel that I never got to really finish with the Pels where – I don't know where they're going to finish, and I know we're going to focus a lot on their standings and their spot this year, but that's why I specifically said, can you beat them in seven? And Because that's how I, you have to look at it. And when I look at a baseball series, you know, yeah, that's the five, that's the seven. It's, hey, Scott, it starts with pitching. How, how many of those teams, you know, have a really good shot? when they start the game because of their starter. And and then Well the Mets do unless they're playing the Braves in a must win series. Oh God. Anyway. Right. So, uh. you know, I I don't know, man. I mean I, I look I, I guess since you're my friend, you know, I, I, I have a rooting interest in uh, nice in the Mets, you know, I absolutely can't stand the Dodgers. So there you um, go. we'll do that. All right. You know, Just prepare just yourself for pain. <laughs> Yeah, I got a lot of friends that are Braves fans, and they have uh, they have not let up over the last week. Uh, it's after amazing the what happens when all of a sudden they, uh, they they finally find you know pay dirt. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I let's 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 talk about trying to find pay dirt because the Saints offense finally found it a little bit on Sunday. The offense was improved a little, uh, and yet you know they're one and three. They lost. Horrible officiating on the Vikings touchdown drive that that gave them back the lead, uh, but also some horrible mistakes in other aspects of the game Um, and an offense right now that I need to see more out of. I was on your show. We talked about the Saints, talked about this Sunday's game against Seattle. Is this a can't is this is this a must win? I mean, oh, it's only week five. This is a must win. Is it not? Is it not? So I, I, I've been using the word pivotal because, I mean, I almost saw it like last week, you know, was a must win. Carolina, like you can't lose games to teams, to oh, your yeah. point that you were saying on our show, that you need to be able to beat because you have the better talent. Now, obviously in sports and in competition, man, it's about showing it and proving it on the court, unless or the field or the diamond. I mean, it. You know, you talked about my Cubbies. I remember several years, you know, James Bleeping Tony and those Dodgers got hot late. Cubs were the team to beat that year. They blew it. I mean, it's like you you have to perform. So the paper thing, you know, is a very real thing when you look at what's happening with the Saints right now and that, you know, this is a figure out a way to translate the talent they do have onto onto the field and, and produce. And, you know, on Tuesday, Scott, I have a handful of college football coaches that come on the show. You know, Will Hall from Southern Miss. I asked I asked all of them on Tuesday, how do you handle and, and view and, and deal with turnovers, penalties, things of that nature? Because I wanted to get, a, you know, a, a take from a coach and how they deal with it. And it was interesting. You know, Will Hall's like, there's got to be some sort of punishment involved if that player keeps doing it. Either they're not going to play anymore or it has to be an understanding. Um, I thought Frank Selfo from the Lions, Southeastern, was was really clear. You know, he's like, it, it, it's mental weakness, he called it. He called it mental weakness. He called it a lot of times because of fatigue. When, you know, 
So, I mean, it was interesting to hear some of these coaches specifically how they view it, how they try to fix it. They all said they do drills. I mean, um, Dennis Allen said it as well for the last couple of weeks. But what I thought was interesting, a lot of times, Scott, it's maybe what we do in our profession. I always, I always try to listen as well as hear what I'm hearing, if that makes sense to you. And one of the things that you brought up about Dennis Allen and the difference between he and Sean Payton, look, we all see the the way of handling certain situations, right? I mean, I'm sure you've had callers like I've had callers. They, they want to see somebody get yelled at, a chair get thrown. It, look, some quarterbacks and players are demonstrative, some aren't. Some coaches are, some aren't, right? Some coaches are the ones that are ripping off the headset every five seconds like Saban. Some a little more stoic. When things go well, it's no big deal. When they lose, they don't care. There's no fire. Where's the passion? That's how fans work. Right. They want to see perceived accountability, whether it's you know whether it's real or not. They want to right. see perceived right. accountability. Right. We're which used is, to seeing yeah. Sean Payton mother yell at Lutz after a missed field goal, like at Carolina. He would have been in his ear yelling off the field to the bench while he's kicking, turning back right after he takes two steps, another F-bomb in slow motion on Fox going to break. I mean, like, we would have seen that, right? That's not Dennis Allen. Doesn't mean he's not angry or upset about it, but he's going to do it. But what I thought was interesting is what Alvin Kamara said on Wednesday. And he said that he and Dennis Allen talked about it. And remember, he's a team captain this year. And he said they talked about it, and I think it was him trying to tell Dennis Allen, you know, one of the things that Sean Payton did was hold you accountable right then and there. And I've said this before. One of the things Sean always did at practice was if you ran it wrong, it was stopped. You did it over. He would stop a play in the middle of it. He would stop a play at the beginning. Um, If he didn't like it at the end, we'd start over. He was a stickler for the intricacies of a route, which step you're on. If you're doing a you know a ten yard route on step eight, the left foot, step nine is the right foot, you're turning on ten. I mean, I can go over a, a, a handful of things I've heard him say. So it was interesting to hear Kamara on Wednesday say that we as captains, and it starts with me, when we see a mistake and he used the word bleep. Yeah, I, I got uh, I got the soundbite right here, Gus. Let's let's take a listen. The second most penalized team in the in the league, and I mean a lot of those coming to offense, and just speaking. Well, now it's now the soundbite decides it's going to uh, freeze <laughs> up. So, oh, here we go. Specifically to the offense, I think. All right. Well, it doesn't want to cooperate. I'm sorry. Technical difficulty. Yeah. When but we've been good, we've that- limited turnovers. We've- I'm just I'm going to stop because it's just going to keep keep doing that. But yes, he said, you know, it starts with the captains, Ramchek, Jameis and Andy, guys like that. Just step it up and being like, yo, that's not acceptable. We can't keep doing it because if we do it in practice and don't say bleep, it ends up happening on Sunday. I mean, that that's bingo. The quote. Yeah, bingo. So I was trying to get to it, but the dang it, audio it would not. You, come, you know. Right. But so what does it tell you? It tells you that there has been a situation where they have been at practice and maybe uh, and he says it. Maybe we've been letting it go. So, you know, again, that's. That's one of those things when you don't have that guy overlooking the offense and doing that. that that's the first instance, tangibly, 
from the locker room that we finally have heard, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, so it's notable. Those, yeah. It, yeah, I think it's one of those things that a player, and, and again, he has the clout. So people go, hey, DA, bro, it's okay. Yell at us. You know, you, you if you see it happen, say it. You know, they want to be coached hard. They want to be coached harder, perhaps. And I think DA is trying to be like, hey, you know, relying on the team, we have the system sort of thing. And, and again, that's maybe one of those instances where you go, that's the quote-unquote Sean Payton effect. Well, you know, Gus, I think it's worth noting that, um, you know, you spent a lot of time making fun of me about, you know, being somewhat critical or, or, or curious about Dennis Allen and just his coaching style. What was his approach going to be to certain things? I said that in training camp. I didn't say he didn't know how to coach, but you you mocked me a lot. You know, these are kind of the things I was talking about, man. And 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 Alvin Kamara's point, I think, is is telling. I think you can read between the lines a little bit. So I'm gonna ask you for something I know you're not going to give, but would you like to apologize sure. to me? Would you like to apologize? Well, Again, specifically, you you wanted to find out if he could run a practice. I mean, you wanted to know if he could run not training if, camp, if he could how find his he way would run it. And now we're talking about I how mean, he runs a practice. I mean, yeah. I think this is pretty notable, dude. <laughs> I mean, come on. I, I didn't specify regular season practice that you're going to get. I just said <laughs> I want to. I'm interested how he runs I, a practice. How it's different from Sean Payton, and you made fun of me I, for a so month, I, and now you didn't even yeah, realize yeah. it, but you were kind of acknowledging, you know, in your last rant that I was that I was uh, you know I think maybe I wasn't so off with that so we're both married and we have lost arguments in the past but uh-huh. will not let it be known that we lost arguments in the past <laughs> so what I'm going to say Scott is that the specifics of a practice is something that Dennis Allen can do and understand it's maybe intangible or certain characteristics and traits that make Sean Sean that maybe this team is either used to or missing. You know, you brought up in-game adjustments, um, the, the passion and fire and energy, the unacceptability of it. Um, and, and look, and you know, sometimes along those lines of being married, you know, we, we know when the missus is not happy with us, right? And, and we maybe said something or did something, and here comes the car in the driveway. And I'm like, car, get get up. <laughs> You know, and all of a sudden the house gets a little clean real quickly. I'm like, I'm just, I know what's coming. That's Sean. Yeah. Like, that's Sean. You knew yeah. if you bleeped up or didn't do well, you know what's coming. And that does add an element of, you know, the state of readiness, the state of alert, the state of, man, you better have your stuff together, you know, to it. And you maybe do wonder based off of what you hear him say, if there's a comfortableness that has maybe settled into the building. And it's something that I did bring up to you that a lot of people that work there said it's just it's a more relaxed atmosphere. Well there's such a thing as too relaxed. relaxed. Yeah. There's such yeah. a thing as too relaxed. Gus Kagengel, our guest, Pronola segment. One oh three three the GOAT simulcast on fourteen twenty. I'm Scott Prey for the Great Scott Show. Uh, just a few more questions for you Gus then we'll let you run. Um Andy Dalton Versus Geno Smith. This is what we got Sunday. Saints, Seahawks. I said on your show, I think the Saints will actually win, but not in a, a way that makes you feel necessarily great about where the team's going. Um, I remember a win in 20, 
16 or 15, maybe 16. The Saints beat the Bucks. It was actually, it was the Kyrie Robinson walk-off win where he ran for a touchdown in overtime. Uh, actually, no, that wasn't it. No, they beat the, never mind. They beat the Vikings 20 to 9, like early in the season. This was back when they had, you know, the 2014 through 2016 stretch. It was it was a game they won, but you just you didn't feel great about where the team was going after that. And it's kind of how I feel about it this week. I'm not it's going to be 2016. I don't know what it's going to be, though. I'm not feeling very confident right now about the team as I was a month ago. Uh, and that's because of how they've played, obviously. But I'm predicting a Saints win. And yet, I don't think it's going to be this beautiful um, you know, aesthetic that's pleasing to the eye. But you know what? It's going to be better than a loss. That's that's my prediction. A win that doesn't make you feel great about the future, but makes you feel a whole lot better Sunday night and Monday morning when you wake up because they won. What is your prediction? Um, maybe you can actually have some football analysis since I had none uh, with my prediction. But what's your prediction for Sunday? Um, I liked hearing not only from Alvin Kamara, but other players this week specifically talk about some of the elements that they know that they're missing and stuff. And look, and I, and I get it. It, it. From a fan standpoint, you're like, I don't want to hear you close. I want to hear you fixing. I don't want to hear that you know what the problem is doing. It. But, you know, like in action, there is a problem. You have to know what the problem is before you fix it. And, you know, one of the things that I've been talking about on our show is about that. You know, you heard players, Tyron Matthew and a couple of others Sunday after the game in London say that they're close. They know they're close. They have to, you know, to do that. And, and look, obviously, there's two sides and elements to that. If you're a team or you're a player, you're not going to sit there and, and be like, man, we're terrible, we can't win, we're not going to be able to do this or that, and, and not have confidence and hope that you can turn things around when you still do have some season left. So I, there is an, an expected sense of well, what else do you expect the players to say. I, I get that. But, you know, can you point to specifically why they feel that it's close and are you close and can they can do that? And I do feel that they're, they're not a team that doesn't have talent starters, right? I, I don't. So for starters, I don't feel that. I feel that they can turn it around because they do have players. Um, shooting themselves in the foot if they execute better and don't turn it over. And these are players that you trust that can. These aren't, as I said to you on Wednesday, Scott, these aren't rookies. This is Alvin Kamara. This is Mark Ingram. These are Pro Bowl players. This is an all-pro kick returner. Um, this is a, I don't know, 10-plus-year quarterback that thought he had the football secured. It's just, but it, it comes back to matching the intensity, understanding the moment, and, and, and going out there. The old cliches, man, where... You know, backs against the wall, wounded animal, things of that nature. The problem is the Saints have been playing teams that have been playing that way, and they haven't. Go back to the perhaps maybe too relaxed of an atmosphere, right? I mean, I think the Saints feel, hey, we're gonna still, we'll figure it out, we'll make it work, we're good enough, and they know they have the talent. The problem is when you play the Falcons, disrespect the Panthers. It's time to stop the losing streak at nine. You know, the Buccaneers, we're tired of hearing we can't beat you. You know, I, it's it's all of those things. They played with more passion and energy last week. They just couldn't overcome the mistakes and the officiating on one drive where they got three third down, you know, extending penalties on defense. So you're, you are close. You are closer. 
And I do think that it's not player speak or coaches speak because I think because of that, you can. I, I think you can win. If they don't do those things, they're, they're going to be a winning football team. It's that simple. I mean, so I, I, I hear that this week. I see it getting better. And whether fans agree with it or not, from Nick Underhill to Jeff Nowak to Triplett, Luke Johnson, I mean, I've seen triple, you know, um, Duncan, Fox, Sean Pazan, you name it. Everyone this week posted how the Saints offensive line probably had their best week of the season last year, that they're seeing improvement by the week, that Cesar Ruiz just finished his best game as a Saint. And I understand Saints fans like, what? I hear you. I'm just telling you the people that spend all week, like, not hanging out with their families and watching video and all that stuff. That's what they do. So I'm going to trust them that it's getting better from that standpoint of it. And, um, you know, that's that's kind of what I look at. And so, yeah, I, I think they are going to win, man. I, I get Geno Smith and the Hawks just got done putting up 48. And, you know, you don't feel comfortable or confident about the Saints. But you know what? I, I'm going to trust AK. He had a lot of, as he likes to say, juice. And it be on Wednesday. I think he looks forward to getting out there. And I think a nice, quick, good start, some early points in that first quarter gets the dome rocking and people are just ready to see some winning football. All right, great stuff. Gus Cattengill has been our guest. We've talked Pelicans. By the way, everyone should listen to C.J. McCollum's new ESPN podcast. He had Brandon Ingram on yesterday. It was fantastic. Everyone should listen to Gus weekdays, noon to 3, ESPN 100.3 New Orleans. My last question, and then... We will bid you adieu. Thank you for taking the time, as always. Had you caught the Aaron Judge 60-second home run ball, what would you have done with it? Had I what? I couldn't hear you. If you had caught Aaron Judge's 60-second home run ball, what would you have done with it? What would I have done with it? Yeah, I mean, would you sell it to the highest bidder, right? That. Harvard's College. Absolutely. Thank you. I mean, there's, 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 there's there, I, 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 we put it on Facebook this week, and there were a lot of. I'd yeah. give it back. I'd get an autograph. Yeah. I'd do this. I'm like, yeah, yeah and and you would, you would, you would not get over it because you would, you would at some yeah, point be like, what was I thinking? Yeah. He wants it. He can no, buy no, it. If someone else wants it, they can buy it. All right. I got, I got a family to absolutely. feed. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Look. It, I mean, like I said, I. You know, Aaron can have it, and he's about to sign a three hundred dollar, you know, three hundred million plus contract. Just give me a hundred G's, and we're good. You know, give me enough to get my cut my son through college, and I'll make that transaction in the locker room. You know, he can cut me a check. <laughs> uh, uh, if he doesn't want it, someone else will. Highest bidder, take it. I'll pay right. the taxes off that year. Be done with it, and uh, yeah, cool. Move on. You can have the baseball. Yeah, Gus, uh, I appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Uh, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, Scott. You got it. All right. Uh, coming up next, we will chat with Alex George. Alex George. She's been on the program before. Uh, she will now be a recurring. So Alex uh, is out of New York City, but she grew up in Atlanta. Actually, was born in Puerto Rico, but spent most of her childhood in Atlanta. She is an NIL social media and influencer manager at AG Media. She's also a huge Braves fan and probably has a thing or two to say to me after what unfolded last week on the Diamond in Atlanta. Uh, she's also a Georgia fan. We'll talk a little bit about what you do with a home run ball and just sports memorabilia in general. We'll talk MLB, college football, betting. It's all coming your way. Open phone lines after that. 
I think I'll give away a Twin Peaks gift card or two later in the 8 o'clock hour. Don't go anywhere. Then It's a Gimme All You Got Friday. Gimme All You Got! Gimme All You Got! On the Gray Scott Show on 103.3 The Goat. Simulcast on 1420. It's the greatest sports talk of all time. Because you can't. You won't. And you don't stop. Oh, and you can't. You won't. And you don't stop. The goat. Yeah, that's the one. K277 DQ Lafayette 1420 KPEL Lafayette. <laughs> Don't let someone get your goat. <laughs> There's plenty to go around for everyone. 1033 The Goat, the greatest sports talk of all time. <laughs> Welcome back into the great Scott show on a Give Me All You Got Friday on 103.3 The Goat, simulcast on 1420, the greatest sports talk of all time. Now joining me her second time on the program, we'll call her a recurring guest now. She uh, enjoys, you know, she enjoys to put a, a few few apples down from the gambling standpoint on some sporting events. She is an uh, NIL social media and influencer manager. Uh, she lives in NYC, but grew up uh, most of her childhood in Atlanta. She's a big fan of the Georgia Bulldogs and the Atlanta Braves. And, um, you know, I, I even the last time I had you on, Alex, I mean, I made jokes about Alex George is the guest. Let me make sure I get that out there <laughs> at Alex George five on Twitter. I, I, I made plenty of jokes about the Falcons, but as a Mets fan, you know, I did admit to you that I was nervous that they were going to mess it up. They were going to blow it. And, uh, you know, judging from your social media, you've just been enjoying. You've been really enjoying this week. You had a nice weekend, didn't you? (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you for having me again, Scott. I am excited to chat with you. Um, Yes, it's, it's been quite enjoyable. I feel like the jokes are always on Atlanta for us choking, you know, with the Falcons and the Braves before in Georgia. So for once, it's nice to be on the other side of that. All the Mets had to do is just win, just win a game, just a game, just a game. <laughs> they couldn't do that. You know, just one. Just I was game. shocked, honestly. I definitely thought we would lose one of the games. I was shocked with the sweep. I've it was awful, though. just rooted for the Mets for too long to, to, <laughs> I just knew, I just, I just had a bad feeling. I imagine it's the same feeling Falcons fans get anytime they hold a lead, but uh, it yeah. was it was rough. The difference is, you know, the Mets are still in the playoffs, but now they got to go through a wild card round and they'll play tonight against yeah. the Padres and all that. While the Braves sit pretty, get rested, get they'll get a bye, get to hang out. They need it. They need the rest. Well, I asked you last time you were on, you know, because I know you're a big Georgia fan as well. I said, look, if you could have a team repeat, who would it be? And you said you think you would, you would choose the Braves. That's the team you would want. I have a lot of friends that are Braves fans. They've been they've been letting me have it too. So, what is your um, after Georgia had you know the dominant start to the season, but kind of got a scare from Missouri? They're looking a little vulnerable, you know, maybe not as unbeatable as they looked early in the season. Between Georgia and the Braves, who do you think has a better chance to win it all this season? 
It Saturday was tough for me. I had the Braves game on, um, and they were down, and then I had the Georgia game on, and they were down to Missouri, and then the Braves came back and won, and Georgia barely won that game. But um, Georgia still has a lot of tough games to play. We still we have to play Auburn this weekend. We still have to play Tennessee, which is still undefeated. Um, we have to play Florida in a neutral field, which is usually the decision winner of who comes out of the East, SEC East. Um, and I mean, the Braves, thank God they have the stress. It's still, the Dodgers are tough. I think it's either going to be the Dodgers or the Mets that we meet um, in the NL finals. So we'll see. So you, um, it's going to be a tough October for me. It's a stressful, stressful, but it's better to yeah. be in the game than not. So you, who would exactly. you roll with then? If you had to put a future on one today, I guess, you know, I guess the Braves are already in the playoffs, but if you had to put a future on, on one of them today, you going with the dogs or the Braves? To make it to like the to, championship? To, to, win, to win the whole thing. If you could only place a bet on win. one of them. Oh, I would say the Braves. I don't feel very confident about that, but I also don't feel super confident about this. I'm going to go with the dogs. I'm going with the dogs. Right. I'm taking the dogs to make it. The dogs. I you, at least think they'll be in the in the in the four team playoff, but yes, you for know, sure. I, the, the Missouri Tigers, yeah, you gave up some points to Kansas State and it feels more like okay, they're just kind of overlooking opponents than there's this, you know, inherent issue with the with the team's defense or offense. I mean, you you saw what they did in the opening week and it's like good lord, they've they've just stayed right. their man amongst boys in some of these games, you know. I mean, they've been talking about Simpson being like in the Heisman candidate run, and then it's like all of a sudden we have one bad game, and it's like the season's over for us. So right. There's still a lot of football left. <laughs> that's, that's, that's football in the South, right? That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. I like saw it's a, over. It's I, over. I saw a tweet yesterday, uh, Karen Howe, who I don't know her, but a hilarious follow, and she had like a screenshot of it looked like a, a security screen where they make you, you know, answer a few questions. To, so yeah. that way, if you want to get your account back, anyway, the question was, what sports team, you know, do you love to see lose, or what sports team do you hate the most? And she's like, yeah, that's that's when you know you're doing banking in the South. It's like, yeah, I guess so. That that may not be a security yeah. question, like North Dakota, you know? Yeah, no, it's so true. It's like we love to watch. Like for me, I have lo- I have loved to see Florida lose. Like anytime Florida loses a game, it's like makes me so happy inside. <laughs> Alex George is our guest. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter at AlexGeorge5. She is in a, uh, an NIL social media and influencer manager for uh, AG Media. Uh, for, for some of our listeners that didn't hear you on with us last time, um, mm-hmm. I want to ask you an NIL question, and I hope it, it doesn't come off as, as inappropriate, but I'm going somewhere with this. Mm. So okay. when it comes to NIL, obviously – the name of a player can can certainly play into, you know, an NIL deal, right? Like DeColdis right. Crawford in Nebraska. He's actually a, a young man from Louisiana and just perfect, right? He's got the yeah. He's got the, the the air conditioning deal, and I think that's I think that's great for him. I think it's cool. I know people are making jokes. I'm going to name my kid Delexis or whatever, but yeah. you know, there was a uh, there was a, a French basketball player who was trending this week, and his last name is Ho You Fat. Now, I I think I think he would if he was a college athlete, he might that might be you know a lot of nil material. But you're the expert. Is that is that name just too much? Where it's like okay, because everybody's going to talk about it anyway. Like everyone's going to make jokes yeah. anyway. So he might as well like bank on it, right? 
Yeah, and it's like, but how do you monetize that? Like, what kind of brands are going to want to use that name <laughs> to promote their brand? It's, you have to be very careful. Um, yeah, that's a very – I've seen – if anything, people are going to buy the jerseys for the fun of it. I don't know if it's so much like a product will promote it, but if anything, like, the school can make money. I mean, schools are going to make money, but, like, jersey sales, shirt sales. I'm sure some brand would find a way to monetize it. Um, but, no, with the name thing, I don't know if you saw, but Reefies just signed, like, 20 athletes named Reese oh, for, like, man. an NIL deal. Gosh. And it's, like, it's great. It's brilliant. It's, the name thing is it's definitely going to affect, like, how people are going to name their children. I mean, you're going sure. to start getting players named Pepsi and Coke and, <laughs> you know. I mean, or yeah, Fresca. It's, it's, like, well, you name your kid yeah. Fresca? Yeah, just in case they're, I mean, I'm not going to do that. I, yeah. I, if I have another kid, I probably won't, you know, I'll probably give him a normal name. But, hey, you know, if you're thinking outside the box and name them, you know, Delexus or something. But as far as, as Ho You Fad goes, I mean, all jokes aside, to your point, yeah. when it comes to the NIL thing, which you're you're a professional at, as a college player, there are certain businesses you you rules-wise cannot get into business with and maybe not against the rules but others that from a branding standpoint you'd probably rather not so you would you would have to get creative but but with a last name like that it's just i don't know i mean you you remember haha clinton dix when he was at bama like if he had been in the day and age in nil there could have been Wow. A lot, you know. There could have been yeah. a lot of stuff you did with that, right? Whether it's Dickie's Barbecue or some comedy show, or like even even though Ho You Fat's inappropriate, I think you know some Santa Claus Christmas thing. You know, hey, join the gym for Christmas. You know, lose a few say LBs, the gym. right? The gym membership would be funny, and also schools are weird about some types of deals. Like I used to work for a caffeine gummy brand, and. I think it was BYU, maybe. Oh. The students were not allowed to promote any caffeine no. products at all. No. So some schools are also, like, restricting what brands can work with their athletes. Right. So that's also another factor. If you're at BYU, it's like, let's just promote, you know, bottled water and, um, <laughs> you know, a thick... Long skirts. Right, long skirts and, you know, covers <laughs> because it's cold outside and... Yeah. Uh, yeah, long, long skirts and water. You're right. I mean, we're BYU volleyball and we, we promote long uh, uniforms, not your traditional yeah. volleyball uniforms. But, but to your point, I mean, there's, uh, you, you know, better than me and our listeners, but the opportunities out there for any college athlete right now, from an NIL standpoint, while, while fans think of the obvious things, whether it be a Jersey or, or a car dealership, I mean, the opportunities are endless, really. Endless. I saw um, Stinson Bennett promoting um, an onion farm in South Georgia that, and like, it was like a tailgate commercial, and they were making onion rings, and he was putting onions on his burgers, and it was like kind of those brands that you don't really think of, and they're, I think, like they're taking the most advantage out of it. I, I saw just, like big brands. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. I saw, I saw. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I, I hate when people do this on my articles, but I saw I saw an article and I didn't read it, but I saw the headline yeah. and the synopsis. It was about Timmy Beggia Gonzaga. Apparently, he's going to make like five hundred thousand dollars in NIL stuff by staying in school an extra year. So, from that standpoint, yeah. it's it's a little bit of a game yeah, changer as well, that. you know. And good for them. Yeah, you know, good for all the athletes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Alex George, our guest. Uh, you could follow her on Twitter at Alex George Five. Um, is that your Instagram handle as well? Yes. 
Okay, there you go. So go check uh, check out all our stuff. And if you're a Braves fan that likes to see people making fun of the Mets, you'll you'll enjoy some of her content as well. <laughs> uh, Alex is yeah. uh, while I got you. Let's let's talk about a few other things. So we spent a lot of time yesterday talking about what we would do if we caught Aaron Judge's home run ball, and I I had mm-hmm. no issue saying I would sell it, you know, to the highest bidder and. I wouldn't wait. Yes. I wouldn't wait because it could accrue value or, you know, someone could break a record a year from now or some story could come out. I don't think Aaron Judge is a cheater by any stretch to make that clear. But you just you never know the news cycle and what could happen. So I would I would sell it while it was hot. But I want to I want to pose a hypothetical to you. You're a huge yes. Braves fan, right? Let's say the Braves yes. are in the World Series and they win on the most improbable walk-off grand slam f something that that you can't even imagine right in the biggest moment let's just let's say for 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 argument's sake it's like the biggest moment of a championship game in the history of baseball and you catch this home run so there's some emotional attachment you have to it as a braves fan i hear you gasping a little bit but there's a pretty big financial gain there i mean heck you live in new york city i'm sure it's not cheap um what yeah. what are you doing with that baseball, Alex? I definitely would stay after for the game and try to get it signed, first of all. I feel like that would elevate its value even more. Okay. Um, and I think I would keep it. I would keep it for, for a while. You'd hold on to it because it's not like that yeah. play is going to – it's not like it's a record that's going to be – broken, yeah. right? It's something that could accrue value over time, but you also get to, I guess, keep it in a safety deposit box. But um, yeah. you know, what if what if the IRS is like, we're going to start taxing you on it because it's worth a bunch of money? I don't know that they'd do that, but... Is that true? I, yeah, that? It's, it, it's, it's, you could, you, you, you're smart. I mean, you could get a lawyer. I'm sure you could get out of it. But <laughs> technically, you know, if you, it's like on the Price is Right, if you win like a boat... I haven't watched the prices right in a long yeah. time. I don't know if they give away boats. But if you win a boat, you know, you got to pay the taxes on it, right? It's not like yeah, you caught fair. the boat in the stands, but it is valued at something. So I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry to. So, all right. So let's take the emotions That's out of it. What have you caught the judge ball? What are you doing? Oh, I'm definitely selling it. Okay. Okay. So so the emotional sure. attachment to something does does come into play. But, you know, if you're if you're not, if there's no fandom attached, you're like, I'm giving that. Th- I don't know. I mean, I, I think I would just have to sell anything. Now, younger me, like me in my early 20s, if a favorite player did something, I'd be like, oh, no, I want to I want to meet him, maybe yeah. get an interview for my show. And <laughs> me now at 40 would slap young me like, nope, no, nope, no, nope, don't do don't no. do that. No. Don't do that. No. Hold on to the ball. Yeah, no. Um, so uh, let's talk NFL for a moment before I let you run. Um, who has been the most impressive team to you through the first four weeks of the season? Well, I definitely said before the season started that um, I was really looking forward to seeing the Eagles play. I had had a feeling they were going to be good, and they haven't disappointed. Um, I think the Cowboys have definitely been impressive. I think the NFC East in general, I mean, the Giants, I mean, the Cowboys just beat them, but the Giants have been impressive. I think the Cowboys may be better without Dak. I heard that he's practicing this week, so I'm going to be interested to see if they play him. Um, and the Dolphins, I'm I'm so hurt for Tua. I really hope he gets better, but the Dolphins, like, we're really going on an impressive run. Um, so who's been the most disappointing, and why is it the Saints through the first four weeks of the season? 
I mean, the Saints, I'm happy they're doing bad. I'm happy they're doing The Pats, I think I bet on them like the first week, and I was like, what, what's happening? And you always have high, high expectations for Bill Belichick, um, but the Pats have not been good. The Rams, they're 0-2 in primetime games. I think Matt Stafford has more interceptions and touchdowns so he hasn't far. Looked good. I think he, he has not looked no. good. There's a heavy Super no. Bowl hangover. And yeah, the Saints have been disappointing, yeah. but at least, you know, they can count on the Falcons blowing a lead to at least get one win in there. So that was a Hey, we could have won we should have won that game. <laughs> yeah. That's what Falcons and fans I mean, have been saying for a long time. <laughs> back to impressive things. Falcons are four now against the spread. So I've definitely been most I mean, but I saw you. You were quick on your trigger to start ripping them whenever they were losing to the Rams. You were like, I can't believe I almost bet on oh, them. Yeah. And then they came back and I'm like, oh, of course. I mean, they didn't win. Of course they didn't. But they came back and covered, covered. the spread. They covered. Unbelievable. They're covering, covering machine, I mean, that team. They take the they play the Bucks this weekend and whoever wins the game will be take the lead in the NFC South. So I know Tom Brady's coming off a hard breakup. So I think he's going to play very hard. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, last thing for you, as as somebody that works in in NIL and in you know media and influencer and things like that, uh, it, it, Russell Wilson's marketing team are, are they are they are they sneaky geniuses? Are they crazy? Is he crazy? Because on one hand. They can they can explain it as no look he gets talked about a lot he's in the news that subway thing he did on TikTok people are talking about it but when they're talking about you being like weird and crazy and I don't I don't is is there a line is it all good or bad as an expert tell me tell me what you think your true feelings about Russell Wilson's marketing team it's like he was like this loser kid in middle school and high school and then he grew up and got really cool but he's still kind of dorky. Um, so I think like his team is just trying too hard, like do less. I think they need to just do less. Less is more. Yeah. Like less he's just trying more. to be too perfect, too perfectionist, like trying to do more and like show off. And it's like, you're doing so much that it's not cool. It's making it, it's making it awkward. It's very, it's very more, awkward. I like I get uncomfortable when yeah. I see like his ads yeah. and that couple with the fact that like, you know, they played last night, but like, it's not like he's been like lighting it up or anything. It's just, no, eh, I don't know, man. There's, there's like Brady got out of New England, and I know he's, you know, going through some hard times, you know, at the moment. But he got out of New England, yeah. and you know, suddenly he had this freedom to do what he wanted media wise, and he hired probably a very expensive media and marketing team. But he usually hits right. the right notes, and it's because yeah. they just they they know the right chords to to play. And with Russ, it's like. He he always seemed like he was just somewhat robotic and like he would always just say the right thing when he was in right. Seattle. But over you know, since he got to Denver, it's like everything feels feels weird. Let's ride. I don't know. Yeah. It just feels odd. Yeah, no, he's trying too hard. He's trying to like build this persona for him and it's, it's like not fitting for who he is. So as and a social like media said, trying to be too perfect. Gotcha. So as a social media and influencer manager, you would tell clients be yourself. Play into whatever you are. We can play it up a little bit, but just don't be fake. Right. Yeah. Don't force things just because, like, I mean, and that's one thing I tell NIL, like, athletes. It's like, don't force a deal just because you're going to get paid a lot. Like, you want it to be authentic. People to actually be like, oh, this person actually likes this product. Like, and I've tell that to influencers also in general. Like, you don't ever want to, like, force something and it looks fake. Like, you want it to come off 
as authentic as possible. And sometimes he just doesn't come off as authentic. Alex George has been our guest at Alex George five on social media. Give her a follow. Um, Alex, good luck this postseason. If the Mets and the Braves meet in the championship series, um, may the best team win. Yes, we will have to chat again. Yeah, next time the Saints play the Falcons, we'll get you on, and uh, I'll, I'll be able to talk plenty of trash. But when the Mets <laughs> play the Braves, I can't really do that. That's that's your at least right now. Now I appreciate it all the best, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks, Scott. You got you. You're very welcome. Appreciate it, Alex. Hearing her talk about. <sighs> Russell Wilson, let's ride, who last night, after playing horrific, ended a press conference with, let's ride. Last night's Thursday night football game between the Broncos and the Colts is where NFL football went to die. I mean, we collectively are wondering if it's the worst football game ever played. You know, you know, like when there's bad movies and then there's, you know, they're like so bad, they're good. That wasn't last night. It was just so bad and so bad. And maybe by the very end, it was kind of comical. But Matthew Barry said it great. I mean, this is the greatest worst game I've ever seen. It was the worst NFL game I've watched. Now, we're prisoners of the moment. It's the national game. It's the only NFL game on. Amazon Prime, who does a good job with the coverage, got a stinker. And oh, next week, they've got Washington and Chicago. Boy, that'll be fun. But that legitimately was was like the worst NFL game ever. And Russell Wilson was horrible. What happened? What's going on? What is he doing? What is he doing? That's not the guy that was playing in Seattle. As bad as the Saints quarterback situation is, sure, I was like, yeah, I'd give up. A lot of first-round picks for Russell Wilson, sure. And you see him in Denver. Let's ride. I mean, kind of makes me uncomfortable. Like, it's the it was the worst Thursday night football game ever. But it might be the worst primetime game ever. But the thing is, it, it seems like we've had a number of bad primetime games. By the way, the Broncos have four in the first six weeks, so that doesn't help. Al says, we may be, Al Michaels literally said, we may be watching the worst Thursday night football game ever. And then he goes to overtime? Yeah. Broncos now have 11 days to rest up before a Monday night game against the Chargers. Matt Ryan, who looked like a tackling dummy last night and an offensive line that looked like road signs, somehow led the Colts to a victory, throwing for 250 yards and two interceptions. Seven field goals in that one last night. A 2-2-1 record. 
It it felt like that thing should have ended in a tie, didn't it? That would have been the only thing that took it to the next level. But Todd Brady was right. All of the tabloids aside about his personal life and everything else, at a press conference yesterday when he said he's seen a lot of, quote, bad football this year, he's not wrong. Like, what is happening in the NFL, guys? The NFL right now is pab all at the highest levels. Bad medical decisions, bad coaching decisions, bad games. Yes, we get some thrillers and and there's enough on Sunday that you can kind of grab some good ones and hang on to that. But there has been a lot. You get, oh, it's parody, it's parody. It's awful football is what it's been a lot so far this season. It was good to see Brady. I don't know if this is, you know, what what separated from his family Brady is going to be like, but it was good to see him giving honest answers. Because for the record, Brady most of the time in every press conference is just like, you know, I mean, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a hard league to win in. And guys, everybody wants to play hard. And, you know, some days are good, some days are bad. But, you know, I, I would say that parity is a real thing. And, you know, we haven't hit our stride yet. And that's something we have to work for. And that's something we have to get at. And, and we're working hard every day. And we got a big game this Sunday that we're really focused on. I mean, battle for first place. And, you know, Atlanta's a great football team. And See, that is how the old typical Tom Brady would have answered a question about if he's been watching other football games in the NFL this year. So it was good for him to not give the old gee whiz. Yeah, it's all. No, he's right. He got it right when he said there's a lot of just bad football right now. And last night, ooh, that was bad football. One oh three three the GOAT simulcast on fourteen twenty. The GOAT, greatest sports talk of all time. I'm Scott Prey. They're coming at you on a Friday. You got MLB games. We'll be airing four of them on our airwaves tomorrow for you, all four. But the four start today. We'll take a deep dive into that a little bit. Open up phone lines at 337-269-1077. 337-269-1077. We will give away some Twin Peaks gift cards a little bit later. Talk LSU Tennessee. Take a look at what's happening in the Sun Belt this week. And don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right after this. Thirsty for intelligent sports talk? Sounds like you need a little goat array. 1033 The Goat. The greatest sports talk of all time. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a Gimme All You Got Friday. 103.3 The Goat, simulcast on 1420. The Goat, greatest sports talk of all time. 
UL not playing this weekend. They've got a Wednesday matchup next week at Marshall. LSU, 11 a.m. kickoff at Tiger Stadium tomorrow against number eight, Tennessee. Number 25, LSU's 4-1. and one. Very close to being 5-0, and oh, but also very close to just being 3-2. and two. They've come back from two score deficits to start 2-0 and oh in conference play. And they're showing some growth. They're showing some fight, but the passing game right now is an issue. And Brian Kelly said, look, we got heart, we got fight, but we're going to have to, you know, we're going to need more if we want to win some games coming up over the next couple of months because the next, you know, the next month LSU's schedule is is a gauntlet. Tennessee, Florida, Ole Miss, Alabama. But Jaden Daniels, who is amazing with his legs, incredible scrambling ability. But if he doesn't pass better against Tennessee this week, the offense will be extremely limited. And, you know, he got nicked up last week, and Nussmeyer came in, and some folks were like, all right, let's see what he can do. Yeah. He wasn't exactly uh, overly impressive. And, and and you know, you could put it all on Jaden Daniels, but, you know, it's, 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 it's not just him. There's drop passes. There is some of Daniels' decision-making. There's some coaching. There's some schemes. I mean, a lot goes into it. LSU's defense bailed out the offense several times against Auburn last week. But Brian Kelly said, look, the difference between being on the edge aggressively and being reckless, that's that's what Jane Daniels is doing right now. We're we're just too conservative right now. But I think the word he's looking for there is balance. There's gotta be some more balance. Now it's it's note it should be noted that Daniels hasn't thrown a pick in his five LSU starts. He's protected the ball. He hasn't put it at risk. And if you think about it, I mean, if if they had a few more turnovers here or there, they they might have a losing record right now. But passing-wise, it's just not happening. And it's it's been enough by protecting the ball to almost get them to 5-0, and but to get them to 4-1. and But you've got incredible skill players. You've got a Cation Moody. You've got really, really good talent. Malik Neighbors, we could go on. You got to get the ball down the field at some point. Get them the ball. They're not always going to be wide open, but Booty and Neighbors and Jare Jenkins. LSU has a deep wide receiver room. You know, Daniels has to be more decisive. And, and, Maybe it's overstated, right? There were some times where he tried to attack Auburn down the field. It didn't work out. But he's just, it seems like anything 15 yards or farther, it's just not happening. And drop passes. I mean, that that's how you kill an offense. That's how you kill momentum. And that's how you can 
you know, go from being, uh, you know, that balance of not being too aggressive but being a little less conservative, I can go out the window. I mean, unless you had, what, six drops Saturday? That's the most in a game by an SEC team all season. Route running can improve. Overall, it has to improve. But Keishon Booty, who didn't play against New Mexico, cause his, and he welcomed his, his son. The uh, He and the mother of the child were just given birth, and he missed that game, and they didn't need him against New Mexico, frankly. But I mean, he's one of the most talented players in the country. In this season, he has 11 catches for 97 yards, no touchdowns. And you've seen the frustration on the field from him. Yeah, he's double covered sometimes, but they there there has got to be some chemistry established between he and Daniels. And LSU needs to scheme more to get Booty the ball. Brian Kelly said, "Yeah, we want to." Well, then do it. Because if they don't, they're not going to be able to beat Tennessee tomorrow. Look, Tennessee's number eight. They've had a really good season. Coach Heupel's done a great job. They're probably more in terms of just talent-wise, more like a 15th or 16th, 17th kind of ranked team. But, I mean, they're averaging like almost 50 points a game. Their offense is good. Now, defensively, they're not. Tennessee's a team that can score a lot of points and give up a lot of points. LSU's a team that defensively has been really solid. Offensively has left so much, you know, a little bit on the table. So you got Tennessee's strength going up against LSU's strength, and LSU's weaker link of the three units going up against Tennessee's weakest link. One of a uh, just long list of games coming up this weekend in college football. You got the the Red Red River Showdown, Texas and Oklahoma and Dallas. Sooner uh, the 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 Longhorns are a seven point favorite. How about Oklahoma zero and two to start Big Twelve play? Um, I think Texas actually wins and covers Tennessee LSU. It's going to be close. Tennessee it's now minus three. Yeah, gosh, boy, that's a tough line. Let's call it a push. TCU in Kansas. How about that? Number 17 and number 19. The Jayhawks. Hadn't been good since Mark Mangini's been there. Mangino. Mark Mangino, excuse me. Hosting this thing? College game day? Good defense? Let's go with Kansas. And an upset. TCU is a touchdown favorite. Auburn and Georgia. Georgia is a 29-and-a-half-point favorite in this one, y'all. Um, Georgia's kind of gone to sleep the last few weeks. 29-and-a-half, though. God, Auburn's not good, but but they can cover sometimes, not if they're playing Penn State. Let's uh, Georgia wins, Auburn, Auburn covers. Uh, Utah and UCLA, I like the Bruins. And then you've got... Ohio State, and Michigan State. 
I don't remember the last time Ohio State was this big of a favorite against Michigan State. Are they minus 27? Let's go Michigan plus 27. Michigan State plus 27. Ohio State wins, though. Uh, A&M and Alabama. Neither team may have their starting quarterbacks. A&M isn't good. Alabama's a 24.5 point favorite. I think they win. I think they cover with ease. You got some games in the Sun Belt as well, which we'll get into in just a moment. But phone lines are open at 337-269-1077. Let's head to him right now. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello. It's crazy that uh, CBS couldn't flex this game to uh, Saturday evening. It is a weird contract they have where they have to designate their their primetime game before the season starts. Um. And and I get it. I mean, Texas A&M and Alabama was the one to be flexed. I, I don't know if that's what you're referencing, the fact that that's the night game. Um, but they get one primetime game a year, and I, I it, that's a weird contract. You shouldn't have to do it before the season. But it made sense. I mean, after, you know, Saban and, and Jimbo turned into, you know, uh, an episode of Mean Girls, um, it just – it it was it was the obvious choice, but now you get to it and it's like, ooh, this is gonna be this is gonna be pretty ugly. Maybe not as ugly as Broncos and and Colts on Thursday night football, but it's gonna be ugly. Uh, it's just you know that um, you know they're not gonna nix the the idea of getting rid of Thursday night football because there's too much money, too much money involved. Um, one um, suggestion, and I know it's not gonna work. Why not? If, if you just so you want to play games on Thursday or Friday, whatever, move it to Saturday. Now, some people are going to say, "Oh, no, nah, they're not going to compete against college football." But they don't have any problem uh, taking Christmas, like uh, for uh, how the NBA used to have games on Christmas. Where the NFL is like, you know what? I, I like that. I think we're going to go ahead and uh, do that more. Uh, why not just play it on Saturday? Well, I mean, that's you're not going to get as many viewers, and I think that's not what Amazon's paying for. Even though the football was awful last night, um, uh, hold up, hold up, hold up. With you know, at the end of the year, they play games. Right, right. When college so, football seasons, when college football seasons over with. Yeah, you're right. More in both seasons. Right, right. It's once college football's over with, you have a couple of weeks where there's some Saturday games. Um, and they don't mind, you know, look, the reality is uh, a, an NBA game on Christmas is not going to be as much competition uh, for an NFL game as, you know, LSU Alabama would. I mean, even if it's not a good game, not to say that the NFL wouldn't win in the ratings, but, you know, if they, you had a game on a Saturday and Ohio State and Michigan are playing, it's going to take a big chunk out of that. You put it on a Thursday night well, you know, a because there there are college football games on Thursday night, but they're not. It's not the whole slate. It's not this marquee matchup. And I think the NFL loves the idea of being able to sort of stretch out the, you know, it ends on a Monday. It starts on a Thursday. I think that's that's part of it, too, for them. And like you said, the money. I mean, you're just going to get more money. Just, I think they should move high school football. The season is over, I guess. I don't know. But uh, that's also, it's a weeknight thing. Like, the NFL never wants to be, I shouldn't say never, the NFL would prefer not to be on a night where, you know, people can be out and about and don't have to go to work the next day. I mean, that's just true of like, 
you know, most big shows, except shows that are, um, you know, catered to like a much older demographic, like whatever. I don't know what comes on CBS on Saturday nights. It's probably, you know, some acronym show or, or Blue Bloods or something. But the reason, you know, HBO or FX or any of these, I mean, they, they try to stick their best material on Sunday and Tuesday nights because they they know people are going to be at home on a Saturday night. More people are likely to be out and about and doing stuff. And that's that's part of it, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, TCU and Canada. You know, you know what's crazy, though? Um, I've, I've been watching a lot of high school, high school. I've been watching a lot of college football this year. And that's kind of, you know, I'm not really a college football guy. Um, but I watched it at least about five, six, seven games a week yeah. um, for a day. Like, I got about five games in one Saturday. That's very rare for me, man. Um it's okay, man. I just I don't know, man. And I and uh, I talked about this yesterday. How it looks like the scoring is down in the NFL this year. I don't know what I don't I don't know what's that about. Maybe I know some people except the li- unless unless the Lions are playing. But yes, it, it does. I mean, these games, some of these games, especially the ones that have been in the national windows, have uh-huh. been atrocious, uh, and yet the ratings have been you know ridiculously good. So. I don't know, man. The NFL feels bulletproof, but Brady's not wrong. There's a lot of bad football right now. Yeah. Um, one more thing, man. Uh, you know, I know basketball's starting up, but the Anthony Davis hate, like, from Pelicans fans, I, I just think that's that's one of the most fakest. Uh, I, I don't believe that's real, man. Like, how, how fake are you? And I understand, you know, at the end, but come on. That, that man was... Why do you think? Why do you think? Why do you think it's? What do you mean fake? Why do you think it's fake? Like the way, like I, heard, I saw someone on social media, like he just still has this disdain for Anthony Davis. Like anytime Anthony Davis has an interview, I think you know I have a chip on my shoulder. I think they set him out the other night, but a chip on my shoulder, and I, you know I'm gonna have a, a t-shirt with a chip, and they took a shot at him. You know, um, I just I, I think Anthony Davis he. He was a great player for this uh, for that franchise. Second uh, to best player in franchise history to this point. I think Ingram might might surpass him at some point. But no, look, I think everyone, I think every one of those fans talking trash um, loved AD. But the way he exited, they didn't like it, and that will forever bother them. And he still kind of takes shots here and there, and they take shots back. It's it's not like it's this amicable thing from both sides. I mean, Davis can say he doesn't care, but he still takes little shots here and there when he can. So I don't I mean I don't think it's fake. I think you can say, oh man, all those people talking trash loved him when he played there. Well yeah, sure. I mean that's that's fandom. But I I don't think it's fake. I think there's genuine disdain from a lot of Pelicans fans for Anthony Davis. And I, I hope that it's not like that forever. But I don't know, man. I mean you yeah. They put up those murals in the facility this year with a bunch of team history, and they don't have AD on any of them. Like I said, man, I, I guess I equate fandom with fakeness. So I guess that's how I look at fandom. No, it's not. I think I think you need to. I, I think you're using the wrong uh, f word. I think you're, you're saying fake. I think the word you need to use is fickle. I mean, fandom is is generally tied into you know geography and. Uh, or 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 gambling, one or the other. I mean, or you know, a uniform. I mean, that's that's sports fandom for most. That's just that's true. I, mean, I was a fan of the team whenever they were awful. I'm a fan of the team now, and they appear to be good. I like the guys that are on it and handle themselves a certain way. And if they say bad stuff, I'm 
You know, I'm not I'm not as crazy about them. It doesn't mean I like hate them like personally on a personal level, but from a fan standpoint, you know, I'm gonna root for the guys on my team and if they leave or say something bad, yeah, I'm gonna but, root to against me, them. Yeah. But it's one thing if a player actually call out fans. But a lot of times when a player a lot of that stuff is you know, a lot of that we don't we don't know what goes on behind the scenes between player and, and management, between player and franchise. So I think a lot of that stuff is between them. Like it's one thing if a fan just I mean, excuse me, if a player just start ripping fans, okay yeah, okay. But I don't know, I don't yeah, I guess man. I just don't get too caught up. I'm trying to think of one player on the Saints who I was upset that he left. And I can't think of anyone, man. I, I can't think of a player where I was just hot that he that he's played for this team. Like, hold on, hold on. Well, I mean, look, I mean, I, this one's an extreme example, oh. but when Brandon Browner leaves and, you know, uh, trashes the organization and says that, you know, he, he took all the money from him and laughs about it, I mean, and was a bad player, of course fans are going to just, you know, of course fans are going to dislike him a lot. Um, as far as a good player leaving, you know, there were a lot of fans that weren't crazy about how everything went down with Brandon Cooks, honestly. And when he was with the Saints, you know, he had plenty of supporters. But the way he left and, you know, hungry mouth, and it was all a business decision. It was all it was all organized and and structured in a way for him to, to go get a contract. Because when the Saints got Michael Thomas... He could see that he wasn't going to get that big payday, so he forced his way out. He got some big paydays. He's made a lot of money. Good for him. But in a moment, fans aren't going to see that. They're going to see, man, what the heck, man? He should. He just should be happy, and they're winning, and, and he's part of the team. What's the deal? That's just how it goes. Yeah. Um, speaking of Brandon Cooks, I wonder uh, if any team's going to try to trade for him. No. Yeah. I don't know. I think he can still. Uh, he's not going to do too much in uh, Houston, but he's still in Houston, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I don't. I don't even honestly. I mean, how many? I'd, I'd be lying to you if I've said I've seen any Texans games the last year or two. Like, I don't even know. He has twenty catches this season. You know, over two hundred yards, <laughs> a touchdown. I mean, okay, good, good. He's still, he's still playing. Every time. Every now and then, but I was like, sometimes I think, I'm like, man, you know, what? I should just drive to Houston, go to a Texas game. But I'm sure tickets, because sometimes I was looking at ticket prices. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, you know, you can find some good tickets. Yeah, I can think <laughs> of better ways to spend a to spend a Sunday. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just think about it. I'm not actually gonna do it. I mean, come on. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. 1033 The Ghost Simulcast on 1420. I'm Scott Prather. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll come back. Going to give away some uh, Twin Peaks gift cards at some point. You don't want to miss that. Take a look at the Sunbelt schedule as well. Five conference games. Who's going to win them? Stay tuned and find out. It's the Great Scott Show. We're back after this. <laughs> 1033 The Goat. In case you're wondering if Jameis Winston knows his body. Everything about your body, you have to be able to work certain things. Just because my knee hurts, that doesn't mean that I need to work my knee. The greatest sports talk of all time. 1033 The Goat. Welcome back into the show. Sunbelt this week in Georgia State host Georgia Southern. Panthers go down. Yes, I actually think they do. James Madison, 
stays undefeated. They win at Arkansas State. App State wins at Texas State. Troy beats Southern Miss, and Coastal wins at ULM. That's going to do it for the Great Scott Show here on this Friday. Big thanks to Gus Cattengale, to Alex George, to all of you for tuning in. Enjoy the weekend in football. Monday, we'll talk to Coach Desermo. We'll talk Saints, Seahawks, and the weekend in football. We'll see what LSU Tennessee has in store and more. Pels have a preseason game tonight as well. First caller, once I hit the break, gets a gift card to Twin Peaks just for being a listener, just for listening to the GOAT, 337-269-1077. In the meantime, have a great weekend. The Dan Patrick Show is next right here on 103.3 The GOAT, the greatest sports talk of all time. Right about now.